Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The arrow would be pointing up quicker if Aaron Rodgers wasn't there for everybody in the division. There's no question about that. So if Aaron Rodgers is back with Green Bay, sure, that's the team to beat all of a sudden, you know, in the north. I mean, there's no question about that. With no Aaron Rodgers and no Devontae Adams, you know, now all of a sudden that division looks completely different in my mind. So we'll see what they can do, and it's going to have to come down to Aaron wanting to work with them and truly be there because they just can't write him a check. I mean, it's going to have to be a a contract that's put together long-term deferred money. There's going to be a lot of lawyer talk, agent talk back and forth to get this thing done. If he wants to do it, it can happen. Absolutely. Hubarkish on 670 The Score. Well, good evening, Chicago, and welcome into the program. I am Hub Arkish, going to be with you until 9 o'clock this evening. Uh, forgive me for that momentary background noise as my printer kicks out the great rundown uh, that Studs has sent me. Adam Studzinski, my producer this evening. Studs, one of the best in the business. Done a great job already lining up some special guests for us tonight. We've got uh, some MLB talk coming as we revisit. Uh, some of you who have been here may have just heard uh, an interview this afternoon from uh, Danny and Matt with uh, Jack McDowell talking about where MLB is at right now. Announced today that Rob Manford has postponed spring training at least through the next two weeks, through March 4th, and we don't know uh, you know where things are headed next. So we'll try and catch up on that a little bit. We've got Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago who covers the Bulls in Cleveland for the All-Star festivities, the uh, Young Stars game tonight with Io DeSuno. And uh, Rob's going to check in at 7 o'clock to get us the latest on the Bulls and the NBA at the All-Star break. And Mark Potash, my buddy Potsy from the Chicago Sun-Times, will be by in the 8 o'clock hour. We're obviously going to talk some Bears, some NFL. And I did something a little different tonight. Normally I like to get a guest right off the bat to get the conversation going, but wanted to talk to you all. That's my favorite part of getting to host these shows is getting to visit with the best sports fans in the world. So the phone number is 312-644-6767. You can also text me at that number, 312-644-6767. We'll get to your texts at various points in the evening, but always enjoy getting to talk to you guys more. The Score Listener Line is powered by BetQL, BetSmarter, and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit the BetQL Dot com And uh, again, 312-644-6767. We're doing nothing but taking your calls and talking to you all for the first hour tonight. So dial me up right now. Anything that's on your mind about uh, anything in the world of sports, particularly the NFL, the Chicago Bears. It's all behind us now, guys. The entire new coaching staff is intact. The announcement today that Jim Arthur is returning to be the strength and conditioning coach, 20-year NFL veteran who spent, I believe, 10 or 11 years here in Chicago during the Lovey Smith era. Also has some significant
significant experience with a couple other teams, been a strength coach in the NFL for the last 20 years. And so um, there was a little confusion on that. The Bears had announced the other day that the, the coaching staff was complete. And Jason Descalzo, the strength coach under Matt Nagy, was still listed at the website. But that was quickly um, uh, fixed. Uh, he, he was deleted from the list shortly after that announcement came out. And now we know today that Jim Arthur has been added. Um, and so... Matt Eberflus's first coaching staff is completely intact. It is interesting to me that they've gone out of their way to bring back some people with former Bears connections. Remember, the new special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, was also here in 2016 as the assistant special teams coach. But uh, even though when I talked to Matt uh, Eberflus, that is, it, you have to get used to the idea that it's still Matt and Ryan, but now it's Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. And when I talked to him on the day he met us, was introduced to the media in Chicago, Bears fans, uh, uh, when we got uh, into a smaller group in our one-on-one, I asked him what he thought about Matt Nagy's coaching staff. It is fairly common in the NFL uh, for a new head coach to try and find at least one or two, if not more, assistance from the former staff to retain, just to try and keep some continuity uh, with the old program. Not everybody does it. It's not a requirement. It's not always a good idea. But as I said, it's fairly common. And uh, when I asked Matt about it, he said that he was very impressed with the former Matt, Matt Nagy's coaching staff, that there were a number of guys he wanted to talk to. But in the end, nobody retained from Matt Nagy's coaching staff. Um, And he's brought in all of his own people, put together a very interesting and somewhat eclectic group. And, you know, as I mentioned, uh, he does have several guys with former ties to Chicago, much like the new GM, Ryan Poles, who, uh, you know, by now was an undrafted uh, priority free agent, a rookie free agent. Uh, coming out of school, and uh, this was the one place, uh, Chicago that is, uh, you know, where he got to play, tried it, didn't make it as a player in the NFL, and uh, quickly went back to be a grad assistant at Boston College, ended up getting into the NFL, and um, after 11 years with the Chiefs, he is here now as the new GM. Has that first Chicago tie, though, and we talked to him on the day that he was introduced to us in town. He talked about how fondly he remembers that. He pointed out that he met his wife here, proposed to his wife here, um, and part of the reason he was so anxious to come back. So uh, now as we look at the front office, we look at Matt Eberflus's first full coaching staff, um, there, there is significant ties to the Bears organization. There are former connections, but this is a clean slate with an all-new group, and uh, we'll see what they can do. Really excited. Uh, the Combine appears to be close to business as usual. We won't know until we get there, but uh, credentials have been approved now. We've got the schedule. We know when we will be visiting with both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis the week after next. Uh, We'll also get to meet a lot of the top young draft prospects. This is the first time that we really start to get a handle on some of these young men who are going to be first round picks, fifth round picks, second rounders, seventh rounders, whatever it may be, uh, and get to meet and talk to many of them uh, as well as to talk to uh, pretty much all 32 NFL teams. There's a few teams that choose not to participate either in the GM or the coach interviews. Uh, But for the most part, we always get contact with at least 25 to 30 teams or so and get an idea of what everybody is thinking heading into the draft. So the real off-season work does begin now. And um, 
you know, we're excited about that. Uh, of course, uh, free agency will come up first. We already know uh, who the top free agents are around the NFL. It's it's a really good list. It's some areas of need for the Bears. There are some all-pro left tackles. There are um, some number one wide receivers. It's very strong at safety. I'm talking about the free agent group now. We'll, we'll get some of those names out as we go on during the evening. Uh, but right now, as promised, I do want to get to the phones. Again, we're going to spend this entire first hour with all of you on the phones. Any questions that are on your mind, 312-644-6767. Again, I'm Hub Arkish, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, and we're going to have a good time right up until 9 o'clock. So let's get to the phones and welcome in G, who is in Addison Park, to start us off. G, how you doing tonight? Yeah. Hey, Hal, I was just wondering how you thought um, the hiring of Luke Getze was and how he will fit in with Justin Fields and how he will affect Justin Fields, either positively or negatively, obviously positively from Matt Nagy's era. So thank you. Gee, thank you for the call. Thank you for the question. I am very upbeat and excited about Luke Getze. Um, uh, I, uh, as I think a lot of you, if not all of you know, I, I also write for Shaw Media and the Daily Herald Group. We've got, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, 50, 60 newspapers, pretty much the whole northern half of Illinois. And uh, if you go to shawlocal.com, you can find where all of our work is archived. And the only reason I mention that is about three weeks ago now, Early in the process, we had seen the Bears' list of 10 coaches and candidates they wanted to interview, um, and I wrote a column in which I said it's a good list, and if they hire a coach off it, which they eventually did in Matt Eberflus, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed, but the one thing that I didn't love about the list is that the trend around the NFL right now is the young guns. It's, you know, Sean McVay is still the second youngest coach in the NFL after his second Super Bowl and his first Super Bowl win. Zach Taylor was hired after just three Three years of NFL coaching experience, none of it as a coordinator. You look at the job that Matt LaFleur did with limited experience uh, before he got his first head coaching job, the job he's doing, not that he did in Green Bay. And then, again, a lot of the top coordinators. Now you've got Mike McDaniel and Kevin O'Connell, two more really inexperienced guys who just got head coaching gigs. And I was hoping at the time that the Bears would at least interview uh, a couple of young guns, in addition to all the people they, they interviewed. And the four guys that I listed, coincidentally, because, again, this was three weeks ago, um, were Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, who eventually did get hired, Luke Getze, and Adam Stenovich, who was the run game coordinator in Green Bay, who got the OC job in Green Bay when Getze left to come and take the OC job here. So um, I was high on interviewing you know, Luke Getze for a head coaching job. Now, I'm not saying he would have been my choice as a head coach. He is very inexperienced, but he had done enough impressive work in Green Bay and knowing what the trend is around the league um, that I thought it made a lot of sense. So when I heard... Uh, and by the way, I also have a column there in which I named my top three choices going into the process. And my top three choices, Todd Bowles was number one, still would have been. I don't understand how the man didn't get a job. Absolutely think he will do a great job as a head coach when he gets his second chance. And he will. Just really shocked he got through this hiring process without getting one of these jobs. He was my first choice. My second choice was Brian Dable. And my third choice was Matt Eberflus. And it wasn't a one, two, three thing. I said, any of these three guys, these are the guys I would be happy with and the fact that Matt got the job so obviously I was upbeat about that now with Getze getting the, the offensive coordinator job I love it I, I think that um, he should be a good fit with Justin Fields now I have 
had one interview session with Luke. I haven't met him personally, so I, you know, and, and while I have talked now personally with, you know, Justin Fields on a number of occasions over the first season, I think I know him. I don't know him well. We're not best friends. For me to say that the two of them are going to get along would be impossible. But I do think um, bringing in a bright, young, innovative coach to develop this very young quarterback who's getting a fresh start. Now, this is going to be a second system, second coach, second coordinator in two years. Um, but they will start together. And I'm sure that Getsy will try and tailor his system to uh, Justin Fields, much like uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze and, and Adam Stenovich did in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, and, and I kind of like the staff he's put together. I, I, I don't know a lot about Andrew Janoco, um, but he comes highly recommended to sources that I trust. And he was Kirk Cousins' coach in Minnesota last year and Cousins' best year as a pro. Um, the, Tyke Tolbert, the wide receiver coach, is one of the most respected wide receiver coaches in the NFL. Also will be the passing game coordinator. And I just heard rave reviews uh, when he was hired. Um, don't know as much about Johnson, the running backs coach, although uh, I do know that he worked for Dave Wanstead at the University of Pittsburgh. And Dave tells me that he was outstanding there, that the players loved him. He actually coached uh, both Shady McCoy and Deion Lewis there um, before they became pros. Uh, so he knows what he's doing, and that looks like a promising hire. Chris Morgan, what I like about him, he was the offensive line coach in Atlanta during that Super Bowl run and worked under uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, whose coaching trees are all over the NFL right now. Um, and I think that covers it. Tight ends coach, I, I don't remember. Oh, Jim Dre, uh, I don't know as much about. But I think Getze has put together a, a young to middle-aged, very eclectic uh, staff, a group with a lot of training under under Shanahan and, and McVeigh, which is is the hot school to come from these days in the NFL. And uh, I'm very encouraged by the job uh, that Iberflus has done putting that staff together. So, gee, thank you for the call. Let's get to Ted, who's in Streeterville. Ted, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Hub. How are you? Good, thank you. Great, great. So here's my question, Hub. Um, you know, I've been following the Bears for years, like most of us, and been very frustrated, uh, you know, with the track record. Really, the thing that I, is not talked about a lot is the size of the personnel departments and the number of resources that the franchise allocates to player personnel evaluation and scouting. And the reason why I say that is I remember in the mid-90s when Wanstead was the coach, Howie Long on the... Um, Sunday morning, you know, football show, did an analysis of the Bears, compared them to the Packers. And at the time, Hub, he very specifically said that the Green Bay Packers personnel department in terms of players scouting and evaluation outnumbered the Bears by a ratio of three to one during the Ron Wolf years. And that really kind of, it shocked me that it would be that dramatic. And it really bothered me when I heard it because it just made me feel like, the Packers are certainly putting everything they have into trying to draft and, and, you know, develop the right players. And the Bears were leaving something on the table. So my question is today, that was a number of years ago, how, how much and how many resources do the Bears have compared to the Packers for that and the average NFL team? Yeah, Ted, thanks for the call, and I understand you're using that as an analogy just to set up the question because, as you point out, it was 25 years ago and uh, or longer, and one of the big differences is that the Packers had a GM, one of the, a Hall of Famer in Ron Wolf, 
and the Bears didn't have one. They had Michael McCaskey playing at being the GM. Uh, Mark Hatley was brought in after Bill Tobin left. Actually, he was brought in uh, after Rod Graves was moved sideways. Uh, Rod Graves succeeded Bill Tobin as a personnel director. Uh, he had Bill Reese as the director of college scouting. Bill, a highly respected guy. But they did have fewer scouts on the street. But now one of the reasons for that is back in those days, there were a lot of teams that relied heavily on either Blesto or the National Scouting Combine. Some were members of one, some were members of the other. Other teams did all their own scouting. So, so there was a discrepancy from, from, from office to office. There are still discrepancies. And one of the great ironies of your question, Ted, is that the team notoriously known for having the shortest staff front office is the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. And yet it's the incredible job of drafting they've done the last five or six years that got them to the Super Bowl this year. But to your point, you do want to, you know, be as competitive, have as many resources as possible. Uh, I do know that the Bears are far more uh, competitive over the last decade, decade and a half. I think when Jerry Angelo took over, he really fixed that and uh, had, uh, of course, our buddy Greg Gabriel is the director of college scouting and uh, Bobby DePaul, director of pro scouting. They each filled out staffs that were commensurate with what we were seeing around the league. And I'm sure that's continued. Now, whether the Bears, you know, with whatever smaller gap there is between top and bottom these days, whether they're near the top or the bottom, I got to look into that and do a little research. I can't honestly tell you off the top of my head, but I do know over the last five, six, seven years, because I know you know a lot of these guys, a lot of the scouts that are up there, um, they have been competitive in their numbers in terms of filling out uh, the regions and districts around the country, and I think they will be competitive going forward. Beyond that, I know the Chiefs have always been very competitive and very aggressive with the front office and the number of people they've employed, um, and you see one of the first things Ryan Poles did was add an assistant GM and Ian Cunningham, so uh, I think they have every intention of being as competitive in numbers and man power as they need to be. Thank you again for the call. Guys, we do have to take a very quick commercial break, but I've got Joe and Mike on the line, everybody else behind them. I'm going to get to everybody. We've got no guests coming for another 45 minutes, nothing but your phone calls. So dial us up if something's on your mind. Get in line, 312-644-6767. I'm Hub, and we're back with your scores. I'm sorry, we're back with your calls right here at The Score in just a moment. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How big of a step can Luke Gexie and quarterback coach Andrew Janoko, can they get Justin Fields to take that big step? And damn it, can they get the ball in the end zone, right? Can they Boy. score more than 23 points a game? That is the big question. Obviously, watching this group, but, man, when you go through this coaching staff they hired, if you guys can tell me what they're going to get out of it, 
man, you guys are geniuses because I have no idea, <laughs> honestly, what the hell that what that coaching staff is going to do. A lot of guys in different positions. It's going to be very, very interesting. My buddy, one of your all-time favorite Chicago Bears, Olin Krutz, visiting with Molly and Haw on our morning show here on The Score. And, you know, hey, Olin's just being realistic. I mean, you know, as I say, occasionally you get a name, uh, a, a guy like a Tyke Tolbert, uh, you know, who, who is highly accomplished with a number of teams, the new wide receiver coach, uh, Luke Getzey, because of he's he, because he's one of the uh, the young up and comers. Uh, you know, Matt Eberflus brings Alan Williams with him, who has former experience as a defensive coordinator in Minnesota. These are guys that we at least know something about. Uh, but a lot of these other guys are, are, are second and third time around position coaches. Um, uh, you know, often with teams that weren't overly successful and doesn't mean they're not great coaches. It's just that we got to get them in here, get through OTAs, get through the mini camps. There will be an extra allowed mini camp because of a new coaching staff uh, and get through the preseason, watch them coach, and then start to see some of the results. And then you start to get a better idea. It's, uh, you know, it's funny because as, as, as badly as the Bears offense failed under Matt Nagy, there were a few position coaches. I, I mean, I thought Mike Furry was an excellent receiver coach. He he did a really good job with the guys he was given to work with, and uh, it, you know, it moves on for whatever reason. Uh, Harry Heastan was one of the best offensive line coaches in in, in football, and unfortunately, was kind of scapegoated after Matt Nagy's second year. So there were coaches on the last staff who were very good, but you just don't get to know the position coaches as well. Uh, I do love the way this staff was constructed, though, and the way it was put together so let's get back to the phones again 312-644-6767 and next up is joe in st charles joe how you doing how are you good joe thanks for calling okay first of all i don't think aaron Rodgers can is gonna bring much in a trade and considering that the Packers' finances are kind of strapped. What can and will they do? Joe, let, let me ask you a question before you go, though. Uh, the Detroit Lions just got two ones and a three for Matt Stafford. What do you think the Packers are going to get for Aaron Rodgers? You still there, Joe? Oh, okay, Joe. Yeah, Joe, you're wrong. I mean, if they trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get at least two, maybe three first round draft choices. I know he's 38 years old. Uh, He may only have two, three, four years left. But this is a guy who can be instant Super Bowl if the rest of the team is ready. The reason people are talking about the Denver Broncos is because a lot of people think that that roster is very close to ready, except for the quarterback position. They got a few other things they got to deal with. Um, But, 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 they're close, and and you got to remember the. And I'm not sure I buy this as much as I used to, but I did for a long time. A lot of people still do. Many people believe the Packers are a 500 team without Aaron Rodgers. With them, they're the number one seed in the NFC. So, um, you know, whatever comes with his off the field stuff, whatever comes with his, you know, personal decisions and beliefs, he is one of the 
you know, three to five greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. There is no argument about that. He is a stone-cold winner. There is no argument about that. I know he has struggled in the playoffs in recent years, but this gets back to football being a team sport, not just a one-man show. And so I can promise you that if it's not the Denver Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers or Washington uh, or, or Carolina, uh, you know, or New Orleans or Tampa, all teams that are quarterback desperate, uh, one of them is going to give the Packers at least two ones and a, and a bushel full of other picks or maybe three ones and something else uh, if, in fact, he gets traded. But it's really up to Aaron Rodgers at this point, Ted, because the Packers, the president of the team, Mark Murphy, uh, GM Brian Gutekust, and, and head coach Matt LaFleur have all come out and said they want Rodgers back. Their plan is for him to be back. So it's Aaron Rodgers pulling those strings right now, and I think he's probably waiting uh, at least until we get to see some franchise tags and some other things and what they intend to do with Devontae Adams. The problem is that Rodgers said immediately following the playoff loss he doesn't be, want to be part of a rebuild. The Packers are about $50 million over the salary cap. They've got a number of key free agents, including Devontae Adams and Devondre Campbell. There are only two other All-Pros this year besides Aaron Rodgers. And, and so how do you clean up a $50 million overage on the cap re-sign those guys and then have money to fix your other problems because they've got at least three or four other starters who are free agents too. So they're in a very tough spot. And and, and that's why I think most people think maybe if it's only 51-49 or 55-45, the suspicion is that Rodgers is leaning towards moving on. But you know he's holding all the cards until we hear from him. We don't really know exactly what he's going to do. So, uh, but Joe, they will get plenty in a trade if, in fact, that's what they decide to do. Um, let's get to uh, let's see. Darren is out in Hayward, in Iowa. Darren, how you doing tonight? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, buddy. Okay, I got a question to ask you about the offensive line. You know, we drafted um, Larry Boehm and Kevin Jenkins last year, and we got James Daniels um, needs a new contract. I think they should resign him. Um, but bringing them two tackles that we drafted last year, I can see him moving on from Sam Mustafa from the center and maybe trading Corey White here at guard. But other than that, Hub, I really think the Bears should really focus on maybe a receiver in free agency, draft one maybe in the second round, let's say, if a uh, uh, Bell from Purdue is there or somehow, some way, get lucky, Chris Olava from Ohio State is there at, at number 39. I think they need to take him. And I got one other thing about Blau Nichols. I really think he could play a three technique in a four three. Um, that's my opinion. And do you really think the Chicago Bears are moving to Arlington Heights in about three or four years? I'm here in 2025, 2026. I'm going to hang up and let you talk up. Thanks. All right, Darren, thank you uh, much for the phone call. There's a lot there. Uh, let me go backwards, though. I, I don't know why you would trade Cody Whitehair. You're, you're not going to get nearly uh, as much in return for him in a trade as the value he brings. You know, he is a, a one-time pro bowler. You can play guard or center. Um, but I, 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 we, we did our uh, ShawLocal.com Bears Insider podcast this morning, um, and we talked specifically about this. There are three or four Pro Bowl slash All Pro level left tackles or, or offensive tackles available in free agency, mainly Taron Armstead uh, from New Orleans, who has been one of the best left tackles in the league for a while now. I believe he's 31 years old. The Saints are currently $80 million over the cap, so I don't know how they sign him. 
I just don't see Tevin Jenkins at left tackle. Uh, from from seeing him and Larry Borum together, I thought Borum had the better upside at left tackle. Now, I like Jenkins a lot. I'm not saying I like him as a football player. I just don't see him on the left side. While Borum looks like he can play tackle on either side, he was originally projected by a lot of folks as a guard. Um, uh, and possibly that that is his best position. And so what I would love to see the Bears do, they're going to have enough cap room to make more than one move. I'd love to see him go big after Taron Armstead. Uh, if you can't get him, it'll be less expensive, but maybe get a Cam Robinson uh, or a Trent Brown or an Orlando Brown, any one of these guys. They're all free agents. Robinson is young at 27. The others are, are you know, pushing 30, but for offensive linemen, that's right in the middle of middle age. It's not that bad. You bring in a Pro Bowl-level left tackle. You start Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. You move Larry Borm inside to right guard. You re-sign James Daniels and put him back at center, which I have said from the moment they drafted him is his higher ceiling, better upside position. And I know Olin, who knows a lot more about it than I do, agrees with me. You might have the makings of a really good offensive line, and you've really only got to make the one big move, which is to get the to get the true left tackle instead of hoping, um, you know, that, that Jenkins or Borum can play the position. Uh, so that's the way I would attack that. There's no question wide receiver. Um, it is fairly well loaded in free agency. Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, you've got A-Rob out there, Christian Kirk, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams. Those are just some of the players young enough to justify multi-year contracts. So they'll keep in mind, Devontae Adams is going to turn 30 this year. And, and teams are going to be leery about, leery about giving him the four, five, six-year deal at $20 million a year he wants. Um, so there's players of that ilk out there, but the draft is also loaded. And so, um, you know, my hope would be, uh, that they do in fact sign a, a left tackle in free agency, that they both sign, uh, free agent wide receivers and draft wide receivers, at least in the second round, if not the second and third round, um, safety is another position that that's very impressive, both in free agency and the draft. They've got a big decision on Tayshawn Gibson. He was one of their better defensive players last year. Um, he's going to be 32 now, and this is a new regime. I don't know how they're going to feel about re-signing him. Um, and then, you know, we assume A-Rob and Akeem Hicks are gone, but I think Bilal Nichols has to be re-signed because I've talked to a lot of people who get excited about him having a very high ceiling as a three technique, that that's the position that he was born to play. And now you've got Khalil Mack on one end, Robert Quinn on the other. Between Angelo Blackson and Kyrus Tonga, they can handle that anchor tackle position. You you get Nichols, you know, splitting um, uh, seems like he, he did occasionally from the 30 and 40 front they were playing. It could be pretty impressive. So that's the way I'd go, Darren. And, and then you ask about Arlington Heights. I think they have to get there eventually. It just makes too much sense, and they've got the right people involved right now. When they made the deal with Rivers Casino to be their exclusive gaming partner, Rivers Casino is owned, I believe it's 61%, by Churchill Downs, who are the folks selling them the property in the first place. Um, and then Neil Bloom, who, who runs Rivers and is now a handicapping maven, uh, made his money as a real estate developer. And so the problem that the Bears have always had with taking on a project like this is nowhere near the expertise necessary to get the job done. They now have partners who can bring that expertise and who can help with financing. And, and I just think it, it probably has to happen. But but 25 or 26, I think, is way over the top optimistic by some folks. We've already heard Ted Phillips say that it seems impossible for the deal to even close before 2023. Now, I don't know if they get all the environmental studies done before the deal closes or after, but if the deal doesn't close until 23, 
it takes at least two or three years to build these places. There's infrastructure that's going to have to be put in place. So I think at this point that it probably happens, but you know, 26 best case and 27 or 28 uh, may be more likely targets. So guys, 312-644-6767. Steve, Tom, you are up next. I do have to take a very quick break here, but we're doing nothing but your calls in the first hour here at The Score with me. I'm Hal Barkish. Adam Studzinski is along behind the glass producing for me. Studs does such a great job year in and year out, weekend, day in, whatever it may be. Um, put a great show together for us tonight. So Studs, thank you so much. Guys, hang on the phone. I'll be back to you in just a moment right here at The Score. Welcome back to the program, everybody. I am Hub Arkish, visiting with you tonight until 9 o'clock right here at Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. I'm broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And in this first hour, I am just getting to visit with all of you. We are taking your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Talking, you know, a lot of Bears and NFL, but anything you want, really, at 7 o'clock. We're going to switch over to uh, some Bulls and NBA talk first. Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago is in Cleveland at the uh, Young Stars game, and Io DeSumo there as well. Rob's going to check in with us and give us the latest on the Bulls and all the goings-on at the All-Star break. At 7.40, we want, I want to talk a little MLB. For those of you who did not get the news today, uh, Commissioner Rob Manford announced that all spring training games have been canceled through March 5th. You know, normally you'd have pitchers and catchers in and players reporting any day, but no spring training right now as the MLB owners have the players locked out. And one of our score regular MLB experts, Jeff Passan, is reporting that the M, uh, Major League Baseball folks and the Players Association are be meeting on Monday and expect to continue meeting daily after to try and get to some resolution of the current lockout. But uh, Jack McDowell, the former White Sox great Cy Young Award winner here with the Sox in 93 when they got all the way to the ALCS uh, before uh, losing out. Uh, he stopped by today and visited with Danny and Matt this afternoon. It was really a, a, an enlightening interview. Um, and so we're going to bring you a few minutes of that just to try and get you up to speed on where things are at right now with Major League Baseball. Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to get back to some more football with Potsy. Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times going to stop by as we'll get back into some of the Bears' wants, needs, and what should come next. But right now, we get back to the phone lines and go out to West Virginia where Steve is on the line. Steve, how you doing? Hi, how are you doing, Stevie? I am good. Thanks for calling. What can we do for you? Um, Ian Cunningham, have you interviewed him yet? I'm just kind of curious on what his role is going to be exactly. And, um, you know, when's Ryan going to fill the rest of the staff out? You know, director of college scouting, pro pro director, um, um, Champ Kelly's job. I mean, all, all those positions, and, you know, when do you think he, those positions will be, will be filled? And I'd like to hear somebody on the school interview, Ian Cunningham, to see what his role is going to be with the Bears. Well, Steve, I, I agree with you. I think we'd all love to talk to Ian, and we will eventually. But uh, really, 
if you're not the head coach or the GM, uh, you don't get to meet the media all that often. Uh, even with the coordinators, uh, we now talk to them once a week. But position coaches, uh, we talk to them once a month in season, really not at all out of season. And with Ian Cunningham coming into a new position, the Bears have never had assistant general manager. There have been no plans made yet for him to be introduced to the media. And the only way that you get those interviews set up is through Bears Media Relations. Now, we are going to the Combine the week after next. Ian Cunningham is the Bears' assistant general manager. I would assume he will be there and expect we should get a chance to at least meet him and maybe talk to him then. As far as the other jobs, um, traditionally, with front office changes, those jobs don't really change until after the first off-season personnel cycle. In, in other words, most of these guys are under contract from either you know May 1st to April 30 or June 1st to May 30 because basically you know half the work, the, the, the college scouting and the pro scouting for the upcoming free agency and draft periods have already been done. And the Bears own that work product from the folks who did that scouting. And so those scouts traditionally do stay in place. It's, it's almost like they get to audition for the new boss, in this case, Ryan Poles. And then once you get through this draft, uh, Poles has a chance to consider whether he wants to rework or rebuild that front office. So um, uh, now I, 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 I don't know that I'm up. To, I think I'm up to speed on every hire so far. It could be that there's been another change or two in the front office. Either hasn't been announced yet or I haven't gotten from my sources, but but none that I'm aware of. So uh, with Champ Kelly's departure, yeah, you'd want to fill that spot. But my guess is that Ian Cunningham will handle those responsibilities uh, again until you get through this first personnel cycle. And then I'm sure Ryan Poles will have evaluated the people that are here and will possibly make some additional hires and some changes after we get done with the 2022 draft. So it's, it's not always etched in stone that way, uh, but that is the, the way that it usually works. And when you think about it, logically, it, it does make sense. It, it just It's not possible to get these guys replaced and have them be up to speed and hit the ground running right now with, with where we're at in the process. So thanks for the call. And uh, I, again, I hope we can tell you more. I know Ian Cunningham is highly thought of around the league. He will. His title is assistant general manager, but my understanding from Ryan when he was hired is that he will basically serve as a personnel director, uh, which sometimes the general manager is his own personnel director. Uh, sometimes he has a more of a 20,000 foot view and likes to have somebody else watching the day to day on that. And I believe that will be among Ian Cunningham's responsibilities. Mike is in Glendale Heights tonight, and he's been good enough to dial us up. Mike, I do appreciate the call. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good to good to talk to you again. I was just wondering, do you know anything about the David Bakhtiari situation? Now, he came back the last game against Detroit, and he had trouble with fluid in that knee, and he was also winded, and then he was inactive for the playoffs. I think that's still a big part of their offensive line. I uh, I think he's done, Hub. I, I you know a hell of a lot more about it than me. What, what do you think? Yeah, Mike, I'd be surprised if he's done. The last time he was healthy, he was the best left tackle in football, and he's only, what, 30 years old, 29 years old? Um, uh, I, I think he probably still has some football in him if that knee is sound. Now, uh, remember, he tore that knee at the very end of the 2020 season. I don't think the surgery uh, was even until January. We've always heard that best case, this is a 12- to 18-month injury for a full recovery, uh, you know, you've got Tariq Cohn, the mystery man of the Chicago Bears, sitting out there now, you know, 16, 17 months later and never got back on the field. 
the fact that Bakhtiari tried and, as you point out, needed to have it drained, had some fluid. Um, Studs is checking for me, confirms Bakhtiari is 30 years old, so he should be in the prime of his career. And unless the surgery was not successful, um, I don't think there's any reason to believe with the way ACLs are rehab these days that he won't have a few more all-pro years left in him. Um, he just couldn't get back quick enough to be ready for this season. And again, the main reason being that the injury occurred at the very end of the season last year. So my guess is, uh, Mike, that with a full off season now to continue to rehab slowly and build that knee back to where it be, should be, um, unless there was some permanent damage that we don't know about, wouldn't know about, um, I tend to believe he'll be back and he'll be fine and probably has a few Pro Bowls left in him because, again, he was the best left tackle in football when he went down with that knee injury. So uh, should we learn more, uh, we'll let you know. Um, and uh, obviously a key for, for the Packers. Now, it is interesting. Um, he did get a big new deal last year. He is part of the reason that they're $50 million over the cap. Um, but I don't see them, you know, again, unless there's a real medical question, I don't think there's much chance that they would move on from him. He's too critical to what they do. You know, Mike, the other thing that's interesting about this, though, is it gets back to the Aaron Rodgers question, because if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there, you absolutely want, probably need, to have David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams there. Bakhtiari to protect his, his, his blind side and Adams to be his you know, partner in crime, if you will. But if Rodgers does decide to move on and you know you've got to clear cap space and, and you look at now, again, the Bakhtiari's contract is fresh enough that there may be enough dead money in it that they may not even have that much to, uh, to clear with him. But that is uh, you know, one other thing that, I, that I'm sure they will keep an eye on. Um, I've got uh, Tom out in McHenry who's been waiting patiently. And, Tom, I apologize for keeping you on hold. We're trying to get to everybody as quick as we can. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How you doing? Well, Hub, this is really uh, uh, Tom LaMonda, a guy you know for 47 no years. Yeah, that, that's a blast from the past. Tommy, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well, Hub. I, I can either ask a question or I'll let you tell a story. What do you want to do? Well, why don't you ask? Nobody likes my stories. I'll, I'm going to tell a quick one when we're done, but, but go ahead. Tom, Tom, uh, Tom hired me and helped me work my way through college, uh, umpiring 12-inch and 16-inch softball up in Highland Park uh, when I was in high school, and also hired me to be in charge of uh, taking care of all the uh, uh, Highland Park and Highwood uh, Park District fields for all of the Little League and, and, and uh men's and women's softball uh, leagues, and that's one of the ways I got through school. So Tom and I go back a long, long way, uh, and uh, I still appreciate you for that, Tommy. So uh, what's your question? What can we talk about tonight? Well, we, we have to talk Michigan and Big Ten football. Okay. It's your love, and, and Big Ten football is my love. What is, what is Harbaugh going to do? Is he going to keep holding us up every year, or – is he going to stay in and really develop the program? Well, Tommy, he uh, he did sign a new contract, I believe, yesterday. It's for about $7.5 million, which is close to where he was before he took the significant pay cut prior to the 2021 season. And they did write into the contract some significant buyout penalties if he tries to leave. It's a five, I think it's a five-year deal. It goes through 26 um, and there are now some significant penalties there. I mean, some serious money if he tries to leave to go to the NFL. For instance, if he were to have another good year in 22 and wanted to dance with the NFL again, 
it would cost him $3 million to buy his way out of the contract. And then uh, it goes down a little bit each year after that. Uh, but there are significant penalties. He did allegedly um, give his promise, commitment, word, I don't know what you would call it, uh, toward Manuel, the GM there, that he's done, that he wants to stay at Michigan. I do know, and again, Jim Jim is an old friend, and we have been in contact over the last month or two, um, but because he's a friend, not stuff that I'm going to be reporting uh, as far as what was going on, you know, during the head coaching uh, search process and what went on in Minnesota. There's some interesting stories there, but at the end of the day, it didn't work out. Um, his heart is in Ann Arbor. Um, he actually bought not one but two houses, and his backyard adjoins the backyard of the house he bought for his parents who live there. Um, he does have, uh, I believe it's three now young children just starting uh, in the Ann Arbor School District. It's where he went to school in high school before they moved out to California, and he played high school ball out there. Um, and there is a, a definite love affair with Ann Arbor. Um, I think he's just so competitive that the wanderlust gets him. And uh, he's always trying to make sure that there isn't a better chance to compete out there. But uh, everything I've heard, Tom, is that he is recommitted to Ann Arbor um, and that he's made some promises that he's going to be staying, uh, at least for the bulk, if not the life of this contract. I, I will tell you this, knowing Jim as I do, if he does win a national championship there, then I think all bets are off because then I think he'll have that and he'll want to try and get back to the NFL for a ring. That's not something he's told me. That's just how I read the conversation when we have it. Um, and it's because he is so competitive. But um, at least for this year and probably the foreseeable future, he is recommitted to Ann Arbor. Now we got to see if he can catch up to Ohio State in the recruiting wars because that's really the difference. And, uh, you know, whether Ryan Day and his program are just better whether there are other factors involved, whatever it may be. Um, even though Michigan was the king this year, uh, Ohio State out-recruited them once again and has out-recruited them fairly significantly in recent years. Uh, so you got to level that playing field if you're going to play with them every year. We have got to take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we're going to switch sports, guys. As I promised, we're going to get an update from the All-Star Game in Cleveland with Rob Schaefer. We're going to hear some good stuff about the MLB lockout from Jack McDowell. More football coming in our third hour. Uh, but right now, as we break, get ready to talk some Bulls and some NBA. That's next, right here at 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 